Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we're going right back to the phones as we're joined by our weekly contributor, actually one of the longtime contributors to this show. We're talking about partners who's been part of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Uh, Mr. Nate Zielinski, how long have you been part of this show? You know, we, we talked about that at ISC, and I'm not exactly sure. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been a long time, but I'm not exactly sure. It would be fun to somehow track it down and figure it out. Yeah, it would, because it's been a while. I know that. I know they snuck you into the studio once to shut my microphone off when we did our uh, when we retired the television show. Yep. Yeah, and I remember they wouldn't let me talk. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was a fun one. That was well, a you time. used to have more, a little more time, and you used to actually come in studio and do shows. But you're such a busy guy. Well, let's get back to it though. Hey, I will tell you what. <laughs> nice weather, people. We had that six weeks of brutal winter. It is on, my friend. People want to get the line wet. They want to get their rods out. They are ready. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're really starting to put away the ice equipment now. A lot of the shorelines are getting soft. I mean, there is some opportunity still on the ice, but for the most part, I'd say it is officially that time of year where we're making that big transition, putting away the ice gear, um, and the, and the you know, open water opportunities are there. A lot of the inlets are breaking up at the, the mountain reservoirs. For some great trout fishing, the front range is obviously doing very well. Uh, you know, our, our partners with Colorado Parks and Wildlife had a tremendous walleye spawn. They wrapped that up, so they're done with their spawning. Yeah, that's what I heard. Our- that's what I heard. I, I hate to interrupt you there, but I didn't get the final report. But we were a little nervous because of the late ice on the Metro Lakes. But I heard it went really well, and they they, they met their goal. They had some banner days. Yeah, Cherry Creek probably had the, uh, the almost record-setting couple days. They had a couple days in the nets where. They literally just blew the doors off all records they've ever had as far as females in the net. Um, so they did really well. So, again, the contribution between South Oak Creek and Pueblo uh, did very, very well. It was almost one of the fastest spawning operations they've ever had to get their quota of eggs. So we're excited to see that. So now that they're kind of, you know, done with their operation, um, you know, a lot of opportunities for walleyes to kind of go in and do their thing naturally. Uh, so it's really, you know, helping out. Um, with the fishing. Anytime you don't interrupt that, it really helps out. So, you know, right now you're fishing at all the walleye waters are fishing very well, but your Chatfield, Cherry Creek, Pueblo, um, all those fisheries are doing very well. And we're, we're pretty much 100% done with our, with our pre-spawn fish on those bodies of water. And we're seeing now we're probably 60 to 70% in our post-spawn fish. And you've still got that, that smaller percentage of those fish still in that spawn mode. But there's a ton of post-spawn fish available, which is great because it presents an opportunity for daytime walleye fishing, nighttime walleye fishing. Um, but as you see those post-spawn fish, it's great because if you go to these reservoirs right now, we always talk about the opportunity for all anglers. So you can go to these bites of water right now, and you can target fish from shore. You can have a good, successful day from a kayak, a float tube. You can have a good day on a boat. So we're catching them right now on jigs on structure, live bait rigs on structure. We're catching them trolling suspended. We're catching them trolling flat. Um, the second you get post-spawn fish, it's just kind of year class to year class and behavioral patterns of each of these individual fish that kind of do different things in their post-spawn state. Um, you know, your, your early pre or your early post-spawn fish are more, more of those trolling fish. Your later um, post-spawn fish are more of, those, more of those fish that are on structure. But regardless, the opportunity is out there for all. And we're excited about this because we have a tournament coming up next Saturday at Cherry Creek Reservoir, the 13th, uh, and it's an entirely new format. We've ran the walleye and 
fantasy tournament trail uh, for, for many years now. It's just a traditional walleye tournament. And this year, we totally changed things around, and we opened it up for all anglers to fish. So in the past, it was a boating tournament, two anglers per boat to make up a team, five fish limits. You had to have an adequate live well to keep the fish alive for a traditional weigh-in process. And it was a lot of fun, but we've always had – uh, a ton of our anglers here in Colorado requesting that opportunity to fish it. You know, these guys are saying, hey, I have, I fish from shore, and I would like to enter your tournament, but I can't keep a fish in a live well alive. And I have a kayak, a canoe, or, hey, there's three of my buddies. I can't decide which buddy to fish with, so we're just not going to fish it. So now we change the entire format around to where it's a single-person entry. So you're fishing essentially by yourself. Now, you can still fish in a boat with other anglers in the tournament. So if you have three buddies and you all want to get in your boat, that's perfect. All three of you enter in a tournament. You are competing against each other, but you can fish together. And the single longest fish wins. We're no longer having, you know, limits of fish in live wells, really putting conservation in key. And we don't want to stress those fish out. So now it's the single longest fish. And we actually do a video recording of that fish. So when you show up to the rules meeting on the morning of, I give you a custom measure board. Uh, I give that to you. And then when you catch a fish, you lay your fish on that measuring board, take a quick video on your phone or whatever recording device of the length of that fish, video of that fish getting released, um, and that's how you enter it. So now you can do that from shore. You can do it from a kayak, a full tube, um, really just opening up those opportunities to all anglers uh, to fish this event. Um, you know, Cherry Creek next week is $75 per person, and we're looking at about a $2,500 payday uh, for that single longest fish. It goes by anglers in the event, so that payday could get larger as we have more anglers entering. Uh, but we're really excited about that to open it up, and it's going to match the perfect time of year right now because our fish are everywhere. So there is a lot of opportunity from shore, a lot of opportunity from kayaks, and a lot of opportunities for boats. So it's kind of tying in perfect right now. The one place I probably wouldn't want to enter from would be in a boat with you. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're controlling the trolling motor, you're going to front end me all day. I know it. All <laughs> day. I've never let that die, have I? You have it. You have it. I, I like should it. probably we, let I'm that go. We'd probably nurse that. You know, <laughs> I did it to Jarrett Edwards, too. So if you guys want to get together, there's a TV show that aired about a month ago at Cherry I Creek. I saw that in the studio the here. exact same thing. So, uh, yeah, you're yeah pretty, you guys can get together yeah, and have, just, uh, have a little meeting. Yeah, just you. a note. If, you know, if Nate's guiding you, you're fine because he won't fish. But if you're competing <laughs> with Nate or if it's just that friendly you know, banter, uh, kind of pay attention to how he positions the boat and where he tends to make his first cast because he has waypoints out there that he casts to that he won't tell you about, and he'll push position the boat. Now, not that I wouldn't do the same thing. But, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, you know, in all honesty, it is great that people can enter from all types of uh, all types of craft and everything, you know, and I'll tell you what, uh, you mentioned uh, shore and float tubes, but kayaks can be a great way to get stealth and get up on some of these some of these pieces of structure and sit right over them and not spook them, too. I mean, that's it, you know, and the kayak game has grown, I mean, you know, a thousand percent, um, you know, in the last couple of years. I mean, it went from, you know, kayaks were something you use on a river to now, I mean, some of these kayaks are so advanced, I mean, they have multiple graphs on them. I mean, they have downriggers. I mean, the, the sky's the limit with some of these kayaks today. And um, again, that's just a field of anglers that is growing. And we want to make sure that we include them. We want that opportunity for all these anglers. And, you know, in the past, there's just so much, you know, kind of, you know, talking, you know, amongst the community, like, man, I really feel like I can compete against some of these anglers. I just don't have the meat. They can't enter the tournaments. They don't have the gear. You know, so now it's open to everything. And again, you know, I'm sitting here and I can, I can count some anglers on my hand that, 
flat out, they fish from shore and nothing from shore. And by no means would I say that they are at a disadvantage. I know some anglers that, uh, especially Cherry Creek, that fish so well from Cherry Creek. Uh, it's going to really be neat to see uh, at this tournament what comes in as far as fish. And uh, I think it's going to surprise a lot of people, uh, the quality of fish that are going to come in from the kayaks, from the shore um, this time of year. So, again, a lot of opportunity for all. So we're excited to open the doors up to everybody there. And, again, anybody wants information, uh, $75 per person. Uh, everything's available at tightlineoutdoors.com. Registration closes later this week, and the event is next Saturday, uh, 7 a.m. at Cherry Creek. So we encourage everybody to check that out. Uh, again, it's going to be fun. You'll bring your grandkids. It's open to the family. You know, you can now uh, now get everybody involved in the event. So we're excited about it. Uh, how many places are you paying? We're paying out 10 places. Okay, so that uh, yep. so, okay. so paying down ten spots, and so so first place is all cash. From that point on, it's cash and prizes. So we're giving out cash and Costa Del Mar sunglasses, cash and I think a thousand dollars of Bass Pro Shops, different Ego products, uh, Aquaview cameras. We got all kinds of gear to give away. Uh, and again, if you go to the website, you can just scroll down to Walleye Insanity, go to the fact sheet, and the prize list is listed on the fact sheet. So just scroll down to the fact sheet, it'll give you all the information you need to know. Um, and again, just show up Saturday morning, I give you the bump board, give you all the instruction that you need. Uh, and then you're free to go. And again, shores, kayaks, boats, whatever, uh, whatever works best for you. And it's becoming a trend to have these measure on the boat and record tournaments across the country for bass, walleyes, and other species because it is a great way to practice conservation. And you're not, you're not trying to keep them alive in live wells and bringing them all in where they get released from a single point. And it's easier on the fish and the fishery. And then you get to keep fishing. You don't, you know, you don't have to worry about you know, keeping a bigger fish or letting it go yep. and that, that type of thing. Nate, let's switch gears here for just a minute. Um, weather's going to be pretty decent the next week. It's not going to be super, super warm, but it's going to be decent. If you were getting ready to go out and do some fishing other than Cherry Creek, which you said is on fire for walleyes, where are some of the other spots you might fish? And, and then let's finish up by what, what's going on up at 11 Mile Spinney and what we anticipate there. Absolutely. You know, so, I mean, as far as some of the hot bites around town, there's, I can break it down into a two or three bites. The bass bite right now, if you follow Matt Inslee, he's a guy to tight line, he is just doing fantastic uh, on largemouth bass. The largemouth bass, the smallmouth bass, uh, the smallmouth are in the tail ends of their pre-spawn bite. The largemouth are still quite a ways off, uh, but regardless, the bass are going strong. Now, they're grouped up. They're not in real deep water. They're kind of in that mid-stage. They're not shallow, not deep, uh, but, you know, you can work these baits with some, or you can work these fish with some fairly aggressive baits, rattle baits, uh, aggressive jerk bait, deeper diving jerk bait, um, and it's been a ball. So the bass action. So whether you're hitting Quincy with Matt, uh, or you're hitting some of the ponds around town, um, work work those slightly deeper water areas, the deeper contours, points going off, dam faces. Uh, but find those deeper water bass, and you cannot beat the bass bite right now. So that's my one number one idea uh, for some good fishing. Second thing I would really put a big focus on is as these inlets open up, whether it's inlets in the mountains, inlets on the front range, uh, those big trout are hanging around those inlets right now in kind of a post-spawn state. Um, so water flow's coming in. You have some opportunities of really big trout right now. And that kind of leads us into, you know, the high country. Um, 11 mile is still very, very much capped. Uh, we can still get on the ice, but the shoreline is starting to break up a little bit, you know. So anywhere where you have rocks on shore, those rocks warms up and start to melt, you know, you're getting that five eight feet of water around those shoreline spots some areas are still accessible to walk right onto the ice uh but we definitely down there by cross creek you are seeing the inlet starting to push out towards the lake 
Um, so things are, are starting to go there. Again, I, I think it's going to be a little bit later ice off than a lot of people want or anticipate. Uh, I think we're not going to see boating on 11 mile, um, you know, until early May. Uh, you know, some years it opens up in early April, some years in mid-May. You know, it all goes by the year. Now, obviously, that can change overnight. I mean, there's still 20 inches of ice on the main body. Um, but if you get a warm wind, I mean, it can deteriorate extremely fast. Look at Chatfield. Chatfield iced off about three weeks ahead of time just because we had that heavy wind. So you get those heavy, warm winds, things can change drastically. Uh, they actually measured Spinney the other day, and we we're still in the mid to upper 20 inches of ice at Spinney. Shorelines are still very much intact at Spinney. Uh, but Spinney will be the first one to get an influx of water coming from Antero, um, and that always helps. So as we start to get some warmer weather, we're going to get a little influx of flow coming into Spinney, and that usually helps break that up. But again, uh, in my personal concept and personal idea, um, I would say that we're looking at early May before boating in the South Park area. Uh, but again, every week on the show we'll keep kind of going over it talking about it uh but right now i'd say it's kind of that mother's day weekend if i had to guess in my head just from the past 20 years of experience but uh we'll keep everybody updated as we uh, as we know more all right well the other thing i want to bring up is you and i have talked over the last few weeks and we've had to kind of pull back and say go get them and that's the big trout up and down the front range and the big trout in the mountains as this ice recedes that water's cold trout are a cold water species you're going to see the rainbows on the shores of these lakes yet and you're going to see numbers of fish that were stocked they may not be as big coming in close to shore uh, to take advantage of the warmer water and feed on all the bugs and everything and and along with that, there's big holdover fish in some of these front-range lakes. I mean, you and I both know there's trout up to 10 pounds. It is still a very, very accessible bite on the front range, and it will continue as the mountains open up. Don't you agree? Absolutely, 100%. You know, I, and again, you know, right now in the front range, we're, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of walleye trips, and we're catching big trout you know, in, the, in the process of the bycatch. Um, on these walleye trips, so that's for sure going. And then, yeah, the second the ice off comes off, I know some guys at Wellington yesterday, um, the lake's 90% froze at Wellington, and there's literally just little 30, 40-foot sections of open water on some of the shorelines by the inlet, um, and guys are doing extremely well on those big trout. Those big trout seek out those high-oxygen areas. They seek out that open water, um, and you're doing well. So, again, as these lakes start icing off, especially the, the 11 miles, especially the Anteros, um, you, know, you get in those little pockets of open water. The fish are excited to have oxygen. They're excited to be in that open water, um, and that bite is great. So, again, don't, let, don't necessarily wait till it's 100% ice off. You're a shore angler. Seek out those little pockets, especially in the high country. Uh, it can lead to some very good days of fishing on some very large fish for sure. Nate, we are out of time. In fact, we're a little over. I'm going to let you go because I got some very interesting things. Not that you're not interesting, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for all the information and for admitting you front ended me. No problem, Jerry. You have a great day. And yeah. hopefully, everybody signs up for Walleye Insanity. We'll give you a report next week and from the water. All right. Thanks, Nate. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back, we're going to talk about something very important, and that's the. Uh, tick-borne diseases and how they're spreading and the, what can happen to you. And we're going to, this is a very important issue we want to make sure we address on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Dire Straits. Great band. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to get right to the phones because I think this is a, an extremely important topic, and I know many people that have been Im impacted by it. And uh, joining us uh, is Monica White, and 
she's with I, I think it's the Colorado Tick-Borne Disease Awareness. Is is that the name of the organization, Monica? Color. Colorado Tick-Borne Disease Awareness Association. I know it's a mouthful. All right. But you were on last year, and we got a lot of response off of this. And I've talked to many people, and I talked prior. Uh, Tick-Borne diseases have flown under the radar for quite a while, but not because they're not severe. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Um, The impact of uh, tick-borne disease can be uh, life-altering for for those that... um, get infected, especially with a a very serious disease, and don't get treatment early. Um, And even those that that do get treatment early, there's a certain percentage that that treatment fails. Um, Diagnosis is is sometimes really difficult because the the initial symptoms can be vague and flu-like, and um, without all the right information, a physician can easily miss, or or even a a patient might might dismiss as, as a flu or other other illness. Now, you know this from personal experience, don't you? Unfortunately, I do. Uh, myself and, and the rest of my family were, were impacted by uh, Lyme and, and multiple co-infections um, that were acquired through a tick bite. Now, how long did you go misdiagnosed? Um, from the time that I started experiencing debilitating symptoms, um, about seven and a half years, Wow. But my initial run-in with uh, tick-borne disease was likely uh, years earlier. Yeah, and a lot of people, um, the symptoms can be very mild at first, almost flu-like, um, like a mild case of the flu or something, and and they don't even remember getting bit sometimes. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the tick that is responsible for um, Lyme and a number of other diseases can be the size of a poppy seed. So um, even if people are, are, you know, practicing prevention um, without a thorough daily tick check, and even with a thorough daily tick check, these tiny ticks can be overlooked um, and disease transmission can occur. Yeah, and it's, um, I will, Brad Peterson was in studio with me last week and we were talking because uh, Brad had Lyme disease, and I think he's on the positive side of things now. I don't know exactly what his prognosis is, but I think he's the treatment has been. He went a couple of years without being treated because it was yeah. misdiagnosed, and he doesn't even know if he got. He was in Iowa, Minnesota, and Colorado, and he could have actually been bitten any one of those three states. How prevalent are ticks and tick diseases in Colorado? Um. It's a hard question to answer. Um, you know, the, the prevalence of disease is based on surveillance, and unfortunately, because Colorado has been perceived as a low-incident state or a no-incident state, um, oftentimes for some of the diseases, um, the surveillance of those diseases hasn't been very accurate. Um, disease is underreported. Um, the, the number one reportable disease in Colorado is Colorado tick fever which is a virus and cause um, severe um, illness that, that most people recover from. But a lot of the other diseases don't have good tracking um, for humans. For pets, the Companion Animal Parasite Council has been tracking incidents of Lyme and anaplasmosis and ehrlichiosis in dogs for a number of years and have shown a steady increase in the number of 
of those cases each year since about 2012, they report in their maps. Um, so, you know, we, we definitely need a better surveillance practice in Colorado and throughout most of the nation um, to get a good feel for what that is. Well, and without, what, I, what I do know is that numbers are increasing. Right, and we're going to talk about that. I mean, we're going to run out of time, but I'm going to take some time. JR is waiting, but he'll wait. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we, um, uh, because if they're not diagnosed properly, I mean, you, it can be impactful even if it is, but especially, like you said, seven years with improper diagnosis, the the impact physically and biologically on you is incredible. Tell you're still being treated. Is that right? I'm still in treatment. I am one of the unluckies. Uh, there's a certain percentage of of people. Um, the HHS Tick-Borne Disease Working Group report um, states 10 to 20% of patients that are infected with Lyme suffer from persistent symptoms, which can be chronic and debilitating. And unfortunately, I'm one of them. My son is one of them. My daughter and husband were were in the lucky group where they went through um, extended treatment, but they're they're well. And um, because it's so variable, it's just so important um, that people take whatever precautions that they can to avoid contact with these diseases. All right, let's. Uh, I just got a message that one of our very good friends, he's an angler. His uh, his family, his wife was affected, and she's going to be have problems for the rest of her life because of uh, tick-borne diseases. Before we moved on to prevention and detection and and some of those things, uh, the the Lyme disease, the ticks. I'm, I'm sorry, also carry a number of other pathogens. A lot of times, it's not a single infection. Is that right? Right. Um, Studies are finding that that ticks are more and more often carrying multiple um, germs that can cause uh, more than one infection when transmitted to a human or pet. Um, And so your chances of having, you know, multiple infections at one time and and different manifestations of disease is getting higher. And and that risk is, you know, different regionally and seasonally. but the risk never really goes away as ticks can be active uh, 365 days a year. So. Yeah. Um, one positive that's coming out of a lot of this, and a lot of it's because of work like organizations like yours, is the fact that we are seeing more more attention given to it at a national level, aren't we? Absolutely. Um, the CDC came out with a report last year showing uh, the increase in in vector-borne disease in the U.S., and specifically for tick-borne illness, that uh, cases have doubled um, in the last, from 2004 to 2016. Seven new germs, tick-borne-transmitted uh, germs, um, have been discovered or, or recognized in the U.S. during that time period. The Federal HHS Tick-Borne Disease Working Group, of which I had the privilege of being um, a part of as a subcommittee member has come out with recommendations to Congress in 2018 um, to try to uh, improve the way things are being um, handled at the federal level to make sure that you know the best science is being brought forward to make sure that efforts are coordinated and to examine research priorities, which are long overdue. Um, We're going to run out of time. I wanted to go through more with you, but let's talk about prevention 
and then give them then we'll give them websites you're associated with where they can get more information. What's the best ways to prevent tick infection other than locking yourself in the house obviously. And and we don't want that. We we you know, we're we're all about people being able to uh, recreate in the outdoors and doing it safely, wearing permethrin treated clothing, boots and gear, uh using uh repellents specifically um, targeted towards ticks and using them um, as labeled, wearing light-colored clothing so you can easily spot ticks, um, staying to the center of hiking trails and avoiding uh, tall grass and brushy areas where ticks uh, tend to congregate, um, knowing your risks, you know, knowing knowing the kind of area that you're going into, whether it's in Colorado or else, elsewhere, um, knowing your risks so you can be aware Um Making sure you're protecting your pets, because even if you're not going outside, your pets are, and they're bringing uh, ticks into the house if they're not properly protected or, or getting a tick check. Um, and most importantly, doing tick checks, especially when spending time outdoors, traveling to highly um, risky areas, um, and or working with, with pets, animals, horses, livestock, um, cats, dogs coming in the house. Tick checks are, are the fastest way to detect a tick before they have a chance to bite you or to remove them properly if you do get bitten, even if you've practiced all prevention. Now, we're, we are out of time, but tell people where they can go. There's a lot more information they need to know about removing ticks, how you tell symptoms, how to talk to your doctor. Where can you send them for that? Absolutely. Please visit us at www.coloradoticks.org. ColoradoTicks.org. And folks, by the way, I posted on my Facebook page the interview I did with Monica last year and my Denver Post column on it, and it has these websites in it. So please, this is a serious matter, and it can I've known many people. It's affected their lives immensely. Monica, I wish we had more time because this is very important, but thank you for coming on and sharing with us. Thank you so much, Terry. We really appreciate it. All right. That's uh, Monica White. And, uh, you know, ticks are just, uh, it's an incredible uh, what what they can do to your life. So go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Scroll down and read that article. Go to those websites and check it out. We're going to take a quick time out and patiently waiting both to give me a hard time and to tell us about shotgunning is JR from Colorado Clays on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Now it's my turn. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Clays is JR. JR, I appreciate your patience. I thought that tick information was just really important. Uh, Terry, I got to agree with you. I actually have one of my staff here um, that had that Lyme disease, and I've talked to some shooters. So I'm not kidding. I'm going to that website myself uh, probably this evening. I need to know more about it as well. Yeah, and that the the clothing I've heard that's treated or that you can treat yourself that actually kills the ticks on contact is so incredible, and there's so many things. So easy way to get there is just go to my Facebook page, Terry Wisham Outdoors, and page down in my Colorado, um, my Denver Post article is there, and it gives you the information. Hey, but let's talk some shooting now. Um, turkey season is going to be here in just like a week, I think, and I know you've been patterning turkey guns. Is that still going on? It is, Terry. Uh, I've got a great patterning area set up, and uh, I'll tell you what, let me just go on with that. You know, with that season closing in uh, out here at Colorado Clays, we're seeing a big push of Colorado's turkey hunters showing up to really take advantage of the patterning area we have, 
and it gives those outdoorsmen and women the opportunity to test and determine what is going to be the best combination of gun, sights, choke, ammo, and shooting position for their hunt to be a very successful one. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to start with the main question people are trying to answer, and that is which choke and ammo should I use you know, to get the tightest pattern and the most uniform pattern density uh, with the gun that I have. And Terry, we've talked about some of the data before. At this point, uh, our 2019 data is tending to mirror our 2018 data, which says that you will achieve your best results if you choose a choke tube specifically designed for turkey hunting and turkey hunting loads. Uh, particularly those extended choke tubes when they're combined with the heavier turkey loads in that two-ounce range uh, can give you patterns with multiples of pellets in that head-neck target zone out to 45 yards with consistency and very, you know really good confidence in that. And a couple other things I want to bring up on that note. Uh, there's other variables that coming out to Colorado clays and patterning can uh, take care of while you're at it. So shooting position, I just touched on that. Whether you are sitting, standing, rested, um, that gun mount changes for some people in that shooting position and really has a tendency to pull those patterns high. So testing in multiple positions can be uh, a good way to avoid missing a shot due to that. Um, clothing, and we've talked about this a lot, Terry, the clothing you're going to wear hunting, bring it out. Get used to mounting that gun, holding that gun, and uh, getting the sight picture you want with the, the clothing you're going to use. Very important. This one was really interesting. So the sights people use on the guns. I had a fellow show up the other day. He had a real big, bold fluorescent sight that he mounted onto his barrel. Uh, very nice, good high visibility, easy to see. But we got to remember, your uh, sight seems bigger as your target, get, target gets farther away. So he literally, when he got out there at those outer limits, the sight was taking up so much of his target, he changed his mind and decided to go to a much smaller diameter sight. So that's a consideration. And, of course, a smooth trigger squeeze is real important when you're shooting a static target like that. So uh, people are working more on that and breathing more like rifle shooting in, to some degree. And then, of course, Terry, the most important thing that you get by coming out to Colorado Clays, patterning your gun, is confidence that you and your equipment are ready for the hunt. Yeah, and um, even though the turkey tube and the turkey load is the best, if somebody has a different shotgun, maybe doesn't have interchangeable chokes, are you able to help them match a load where they still at least understand what their success range is and help them go in the field that way? Oh, absolutely, Terry, and that's even more important um, we have a lot of fixed choke guns come through. Most of them would be full choke, would be the preference. But we've uh, done some modifieds and, and such. And absolutely, our patterning area allows you to do multiple dif distances, uh, multiple different loads, and really see which one is going to be the most effective and how far out it will be effective for what you're doing. Now, I, we're going to run out of time here, and I want to get to a couple other things real quick. We will break down these statistics after you compile everything again like we did last year to help people moving on in the future. But as always, we want people to remember that you have skeet, you have trap, you have 
uh, sporting clays, you have wobble trap, you have the training fields, you really, and then you have rifle and pistol ranges. You have shooting availability for everything. But something you started a couple weeks ago when I was on vacation, or on assignment rather, working, uh, when you were on with Will, was you started addressing frequently asked questions. Are you going to continue that? Uh, Yeah, Terry, I think that uh, was a great topic. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, last time we talked about our location. So, of course, Colorado Clays, north of DIA, east of I-76 at Bromley Lane. And that's only 25 minutes from downtown. So 25 to 76 to Bromley, six miles out, and follow the signs in. So we're real accessible to the entire front range. And, of course, Terry, we are the premier public shooting facility featuring, you know, the finest in rifle, pistol, trap, skeet, and sporting clays. Now, something that came up then um, is our hours, and I want to make a, a special note in people to, to take advantage of. Our normal hours being 9 to 5, uh, six days a week, closed on Tuesdays. But starting now through August, Wednesday nights, um, we have trap league. So obviously our traps are closed, but you can come out and enjoy a happy hour shooting from 5 to 7 in our rifle and pistol range. So half-price shooting, great to do in the evening after work. And, of course, our sporting place is going to be open then uh, as well. So great opportunity to take advantage of that also. Well, tell people how they find you. Uh, definitely go to coloradoclays.com for sure. Take the virtual tour of our facility, uh, see what we're all about, or feel free to give us a call, 303-659-7117. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again very soon. Thank you, Terry. You bet. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Mr. Robert Zimmerman, my old high school chum from Hibbing, Minnesota. Most people know him as Bob Dylan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to wrap the show up. For those of you that are new listeners, um, if you just discovered this show, during the winter we're on from 9 to 11. The summer we're on 10 to 12. For our current listeners who wondered where we went past the word, we'll keep posting it on Facebook, make sure everybody gets that. One programming note, on 427, we won't have a show. That's the NFL draft, and uh, 104.3 The Fan is really going to dedicate a lot of resources to covering that draft, but we'll we'll be off for that one week and then back the next. But uh, if you want to follow this show and you love the information you hear, hear, you hear on the show, about 75% of what we covered here today is on our Facebook page and posts of either podcasts that we've done or articles I've written for the Denver Post or just information. Uh, we covered the tick uh, born diseases. That's posted on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. The access to these big trout on the front range right now, that's on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at, at Facebook. So there's a lot of information there. The time change was listed there. The fishing report gets posted every week when it comes out on Friday. It's been coming out every two weeks. It'll start being posted every week. We will post that every Friday when that comes out from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. But what you should know is I am pushing really hard and working with Parks and Wildlife to try to get that report out by Wednesday or Thursday so you have better time time to plan your weekend. So we'll keep pushing on that. We did have some people ask about pond fishing. uh, And I want to let you know that uh, 
We touched on it a little bit with Nate, that Matt Ensley is really having some luck with ponds throughout the area and smaller lakes catching pre-spawn bass. I'll try to line up a guest or two, and we'll talk specifically about pond fishing next week. Um, The ponds should be warming up faster than the lakes, and as good as the bite is in some of the lakes, you may very well um, find that it's going to be better in these ponds. Now, the ponds that have been stocked with trout are still cool enough where those trout should be very active. Park ponds and things. Go to the stocking report on Parks and Wildlife um, page or just go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. The fishing report has a link in it to the stocking. See which ones were stocked with trout either in the fall or spring. Those would be extremely good right now. And then the ones that have bass and panfish are going to start coming to life here very soon. Uh, probably you're going to start seeing them already uh, with the bass and pre-spawn. But as though we progress, you're going to see those bass spawn and then go post-spawn. And you're going to see the panfish start taking off. Crappies can be very catchable in a number of these ponds. And so can uh, the bluegills. Now, any ponds or small lakes that have sogai in them in this part of the state, up and down the Front Range, you should be able to catch those sogais from shore right now. They're very aggressive. They tend to go shallow. Bear Creek is a good example of that. And you should catch the smallmouth bass and pre-spawn there at the same time. It's small enough where it warms up pretty quickly. And if you're looking for a fishing destination for this year, we also had the folks on from uh, the southeast part of Colorado where we talked about John Martin and those lakes down there. I'll tell you what, there's a number of lakes down there, and there is a also a post on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, about the southeast along with a column I wrote for the Denver Post. And that uh, John Martin is just going to be a jewel this year if you just want to catch fish. Um, the crappies are going to be phenomenal. They're not going to be huge. They're going to be in that 10, 11-inch range, but you should be able to catch as many as you want, even from shore off the rocks. Uh, there should be tremendous white bass fishing all summer long. And the white bass, there are prolific. They're fun. It's almost harder not to catch one than it is to catch one, and there'll be some wipers with them. And there's a very prolific population of sawguys, and those sawguys are getting up in the 16 to 24-inch range. There's some big ones in there. The largemouth bass are coming out of the catfish. So that's something else you might want to check out. You also... If you, because of our new time, if you miss some of the segments or something, you know, if you go to uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, there's podcasts of everything by the hour and by the segment. And I think Karen's going to change our Facebook page so that that web page is listed. It's already done. You can get a link to that on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Uh, don't forget our new time slot. Please keep tuning in. Check out our, our, our stuff on YouTube. Follow us. This summer from 10 to noon right here on 104.3 The Fan. And we'll, keep, we'll help get you outdoors, help you be successful, and help you have lots of fun. We're going to let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour where John and Orlando are on location to provide us with sports talk on 104.3 The Fan.